morning. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, my name is Daryl. I am the lead pastor here. Uh, I'm going to go on record. I work with a tremendous team of leaders here, and uh, we're just excited about what God's doing with us and at all kinds of different levels. Uh, before we start, I wonder if you would just indulge me for a minute. Now, all of a sudden, right here, you're, here's a guy. Who went, I don't know about this. Trust me, it'll be really simple. Just put, just put your hand over your heart like this and say, grace has got a hold of me. Amen. All right. So um, we've been talking about narratives. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of narratives out there. There's always all kinds, there's all kinds of voices trying to draw us into their narrative trying to convince us that what they represent is the best way, especially going into an election political year, you're hearing a lot of that. But we're not touching it. Uh, because I'm a, I have one that wants to listen to the narrative. Uh, but I'm finding that as I read through this and talk about these different narratives, I'm being challenged. Uh, on my own personal level, and, and I'll share a few of those things as we go along. But I want to also say, before I really dive into this, is think a little bit about communion, as I was taking communion this morning. You know, communion is something that we recognize what Jesus has done for us, the, the dying and the cleansing of our sin. And I think sometimes, depending on your upbringing, if you grew up in church, I think sometimes we kind of have this attitude like we have to clean our life up before we can in, 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 partake in communion. And that's just not how it works. It's not about you getting your act together to receive what Jesus has freely done for us. And that, I think it's important because you can hold the representative of his body and the representative of the blood of the covenant and stand there and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I take this in your name and I guarantee you, you're forgiven. And I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care who you yelled at this morning before you got here. I don't, think of, I don't care about the thoughts you had in your mind on the way over here. When you say, I take this, Lord, forgive me of my sins, you're forgiven. And that gives us the right to enter into that covenant relationship. So this morning, I want us to really think about, it's not about you getting your act together so that you can live a free life. Because if that's where you're at, you're a hard-working person. And I will go on to say that you're pretty frustrated. And if you're not frustrated, you're probably dealing with a little arrogance and pride. My opinion. <clears throat> but I'm not pointing the finger at you. Well, I might. Never have it. <laughs> so the psalm says this. Psalm 139 says this. Verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. 
For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that, I, and, that my soul know, and that my soul knows very well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made. We are made in the image of the living God. And I know there's times when we just don't feel like it, right? But that's a truth. That's the truth. And then it says in uh, Ephesians, Paul writing to the church there, he says this in Ephesians uh, 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You hear what I you hear what Paul just said? God has prepared good works for each and every one of us. He has prepared a path for you. He has prepared a path for me. He has prepared a way for us. I love this word, thrive. He has prepared a way. He's formed you, he's fashioned you, he's known your thoughts before you were even a thought. And he's paved the way for each and every one of us. In Jesus, as we think about Matthew 5, he said in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, he says, Do not think that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So what he's saying, he's got the Pharisees there, he's got the Sadducees, he has his disciples, he has a group of listeners, and he's, he's proclaiming, this is what's taking place. In the Old Testament, there's somewhere around 630 statutes, laws. 630. Think about that. <laughs> 630. I'm just going, I'm dead, right? <laughs> Ain't no way, Jose. It's not happening. For one, I couldn't even remember. But it's, and so he's saying that everything behind me until this very day, I have come to fulfill. I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass away from the law until it's all fulfilled. Whosoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, think about that. Refer, he's actually referring to the Big Ten, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Breaks the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of God. But, so, but whosoever teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of God. Whosoever teaches, models, represents, lives, fails forward, embraces. God, help me before I die. Help me to grow up before I grow old. <laughs> okay, I relate to that. Anyways. <laughs> help me. For I say to you, unless... The, your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. 
That is a huge statement. Would you not agree? You're taking the religious leaders of the day and he's pointing his fingers at him and he's telling everybody, the commoners, I be one, the commoners and say, if your righteousness does not exceed them, you're condemned. And they're going, they're the most holiest men on the face of the earth. What are you talking about? They're, they're the example by which we're, we're, they're our example. They teach us. They show us how every jot and tittle of the law, they tell us everything that we're doing wrong all the time. Right? They tell us what we're doing wrong. What are you saying, Jesus? And then Jesus goes begins to unpack. Last week we, we talked about the idea of carrying murder in your heart. And, and Jesus says, don't murder. I said, oh, that's a good one. I don't think I will. You know? All right, I can live with it. No, I'm with you. But then he goes, but what's in your heart, right? How do you feel about people? Have you ever murdered in your heart? And so he also talks about loving your enemy. And I will just refer you to Jake's sermon uh, three weeks ago. Where is he at, Jake? Three weeks ago, four weeks ago? You can go online. But he, he unpacked it as well as anybody I've ever known. So if you want to know how to love your enemy, you want to think about loving your enemies, just go online and listen to his sermon. It's posted www.oasisvineyard.org. There you go. So in Matthew 5.38, I want to talk about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus talked about it. He says, You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. Not to resist an evil person. But whosoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anybody wants to sue you and take your tourniquet, he says, give him, give him your cloak. And whosoever compels you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now, as was established is in the Roman rule, a Roman could come to a Jewish person, let's just say that, and say, you, I want you to carry this with me for a mile. And they would have no choice. That's what dictatorship does. But Jesus says, do it too. In other words, he says, that person that lords over you, say, hey, I'd like to do this for you for one more mile. What do you think? Right? This is... Um, An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, is what I grew up under. That's how I was raised. Actually, it was beyond that. Get them before they get you. Yeah. That's, that, that's the household I was raised in. Uh, actually, the law was set up, when Jesus is talking about that, if you read Leviticus, was set up to make sure that somebody wasn't wasn't uh, that was guilty of something 
was make sure that they weren't overly condemned for the crime. So that was really a law of grace in the Old Testament. But we look at it a lot differently. Somebody harms you, offends you, takes advantage of you, what do you do? In my world, growing up, before I was a Christian, it was like, I'm going to be on the proactive, aggressive side. My father taught me how to do that. And although he never said, I don't ever want you to start anything, but on the other hand, I want you to make sure you take care of it well and finalize it type of thing. So when I came into this understanding of slapping the cheek and stuff like that, that was a really challenge for me on a personal level. Matter of fact, let me tell you a little story. When I played baseball, um, I was an outfielder. They needed a catcher. So I said, I volunteer for that because it's kind of boring out there anyways. Um, So um, over a period of time, I I, I became a fairly good catcher. And we were playing this one game. The lecture, when I was studying this, the Lord reminded me of this. And I was catcher. The guy was running around third base. I caught the ball. I was right in front of me. And he plowed me. Literally just plowed me on purpose. I saw him just snort at me while he was running at me. <laughs> you know, it just plowed me. And I was, I was just like, I'm going to get that guy. And he was a third baseman. I was running around second, and I, I overran third. The guy threw him the ball. Instead of me trying to tag the base, I jumped on him. And the moral of the story is I got out. And I wasn't all that satisfied. But I'm just saying, isn't that sound about like, okay, that sounds, you know, my dad would have said, okay, son, that's okay, you know. But my coach didn't. He said, what were you doing? And I said, well, I wanted him to pay for plowing me over there. And he says, really? You could have cost us the game because I would have been on third base. I, I was a potential scorer. But, I mean, it is kind of funny. But I remembered that as clear as yesterday. And I remember how I felt. I remember how I felt when I jumped on him. I remembered. And it felt good. I was proud of myself. <laughs> you know. But Jesus said, would have said, hey, brush it off, Daryl. Get back to the game. No worries. You know, he was just trying to play the game, right? Retaliation is a huge part of our society. And it goes, it goes way deeper. It, way, it goes way deeper because Jesus is actually talking about an attitude. He's talking about a position, emotional position of the heart. Some of us in this room have had some verbally abusive. You've been verbally abused and all kinds of multiple things. And it's caused you... Uh, Maybe you have not retaliated. Maybe you have. But it's caused you to live in that place where you're sitting there thinking, I would like to retaliate. And you're, you're carrying that. And it, 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 it's, it's a, it spiritually erodes us, spiritually. Where 
people, or even maybe people taking advantage of you. And, 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 and Jesus saying, well, don't worry about it. Let them take advantage of you. What do you mean let them take advantage of you? I mean, that's, in my world, that's the one, there's a couple of things I hate. I hate being taken advantage of, and I hate being lied to. I really react to those things. Yeah. And, but I'm sitting there going, everybody in the whole world is trying to take advantage of somebody or something. You know, you go to a car dealership and you talk to the guy and you're going, you know, I always feel like I'm being manipulated when I'm negotiating. Do you ever feel that way? I mean, those, especially used cardsmen, they get a bad rap. <laughs> Probably earned. I'm not trying to say they're not earned it, but you know what I mean? So what, what, what is really taking place here is moral stability and what ethics do you live by? Moral stability and what ethics do we live by? And ethics is a core values of who we are. And um, so, uh, just to be honest, is it okay to have premarital sex? And if you believe it is, why do you believe that? It's my question. I just say, why do you believe that? Is it, you know, is it, Okay to move into some, with somebody before you're married. And if you believe it is, why do you believe that? And what do you believe the results would be? I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not sitting here trying to judge anybody, but I know what the Bible says about things. I know the ethics and the moral, uh, the moral uh, foundation that Jesus talks about. And the importance of them. Because Jesus talks about this for our good. For our well-being. Does that mean that people don't make mistakes? Absolutely. We all make mistakes. It's not about making mistakes. This is about a choice of how you choose to live ethically and morally. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. And as you're thinking about retaliation, have you guys ever heard the story or watch the documentary of the Hatfields and McCoys? Have you ever? I mean, the, the, it's one of the most famous feuds known to our nation, right? It, it really is. And do you know that took place for over a period of 30 years? Now, it started out, and you know, you're here in West Virginia and Kentucky. It started out that uh, uh, Union and Confederate. But do you realize that what perpetuated was a disagreement over a pig. Do you realize that? A 30-year feud over a hog. <laughs> well, if you talk to the men around here, bacon's real important. <laughs> There was over land disputes. These, these groups, uh, Hatfields had a very large family, and so did the McCoys. They had very large families. There's a whole history of how this feud kept perpetuating. And at the end, when you think about the Hatfields, more than a dozen were killed from uh, both sides. More than a dozen were killed. Nine Hatfields were in prison, including seven Hatfields who were in prison for life. And one of them was executed over a pig. Think about it. 
See, the point, what do you think the moral of that is? <laughs> Leave the bacon alone. <laughs> no, but it, it goes so much, it, <laughs> it goes so much deeper than that, right? It starts, it starts with this, can you, can you imagine the conversation going around the table in both families? They're, they're, oh, I apologize, Elam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, if you look on the internet and show a picture, I think this was of the Hatfields, they show their whole family there, and, and one of them was about eight years old, and he's got a six-gun across his chest like this. Doesn't that just show, doesn't that, isn't that a family statement? You know? And the... The idea of how this perpetuated and kept perpetuating one, and there was even a love story between one of the daughters and the son that created more death and created all kinds of havoc and hatred and kept perpetuating every event, every argument, every shootout, every time the judge ruled for the other side, perpetuated this feud. And I guarantee you, they forgot where it started. After 30 years. Yeah. I guarantee you. It became, it became part of their culture. Their family culture. Raising their kids. You hate the McCoys. You hate the Hatfields. Why? Because that's just the way it is. That's what we do as a family. We hate them. Amen. So Jesus is really talking about, are you willing to lay down your stuff to live in his? That's really what I see. Are you willing to forgive so you and I can be free? Am I willing to forgive? Let me tell you another quick story. This was about five years ago. I had a, uh, a really good friend. I'm not going to go into all the details. Uh, but he... he he told me that a certain situation was going to be a certain way, and so he was asking me to be a part of it, and I said yes. But, and then I was working with a board for over a year. And within, within a year, it turned out to be something totally different than what I agreed to. And um, my feelings, uh, I felt like I was betrayed. And I, and, I, and I felt like, and th this is a, a long-term friend here, long-term friend. And, you know, I've worked through the forgiveness, and we've talked a little bit. But even recently, I felt like the Lord says, you need to take this to one more level, Daryl, and you need to step out and, and have some more conversations. And I'm willing to do that. But what it, what it showed me was I can't carry, even though I did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. But yet I saw how it impacted me emotionally. And my, I wanted to hold the offense because I was right. And I knew it. I knew I was right. And the Lord says, you have no right to hold an offense in my kingdom. And I went, 
can we talk about this? He said, no. You're my son, and you have no right to hold an offense. Forgiveness is your pathway. Turning your cheek is your pathway. Choosing to forgive is your pathway. Laying it down is your pathway. No choices, right? Nope. That's how you're going to do it, Daryl. Okay. Do I have to like it? Eventually you will. Eventually you will. Okay. I can live with that. And so, you know, we all have things just like that. People offend us all the time. Spouses offend us all the time. Relatives offend us all the time. What is our attitude? What if we are what is God calling us to be? Now let's go back to He's calling us to be what He created us to be, right? He's calling us to live the life that He has created for us to live, right? And so our journey is, Lord, what is it? What is my pathway? What is my attitude? What is, what is it that you're asking me to, to, to embrace? And what is it you're asking me to give up? What is it that you're requiring of me, oh God? I'm going to read from uh, it's a new paraphrase. It's called The Passion. But I'm going to read this. this is Galatians 5, 16 and following. And just as I read it, just think about what it says, because I like the language it uses. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, as, you, as we yield freely and fully of the dynamic life and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. You will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offends the Holy Spirit and hinders Him from living freely within you. And the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's intense craving hinders your own self-life from dominating you. In other words, Paul also says that the Spirit and our carnality war against each other. It's the challenge. The Holy Spirit is always calling us and challenging us to live the life that Christ died for us to live. But when... Oh, I'm way down. Okay. And the Holy Spirit intense craving hinders your own self-life from dominating you. So then, the two... So then the two... Incompatible, thank you. Yeah, you got through it. Incompatible and conflicting forces, conflicting forces within you, your self life of the flesh, and the new creation life of the spirit. Do you ever feel like there's that war going on inside of you? Yeah. If we're honest, we're going to say yes, right? But when you are brought into the freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the dominion of the law, but soaring above it. 
The cravings of the soft life are obvious. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, check your attitude. When, when, you're, when somebody comes to you and you feel like you're being set up, saying, look, my God protects me. Does that mean that we're, we're literally supposed to be a doormat? I don't think so. I think it's discerning of what Jesus is doing in our lives. But on the other hand, it's not trying to be aggressive and, and, and trying to make somebody get some, pay somebody back for what they might be attempting to do. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's just good to walk away, right? And he goes on, he, ta- he unpacks it. Sexual, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things, things instead of God. Manipulate, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment, resist, resentment when others are favored, being resentful. Have you, ever, you ever, have you ever said to yourself, why does that person have such a blessed life and mine is so hard? Ever, have you ever said that? Never, never said that? Well, you guys are so much better than I am. <laughs> That was not a joke, by the way. <laughs> um, you know, just, just resentment over others being blessed. Temper tap- tantrums, anger, quarrels, only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinion. Now that <laughs> being in love with your own opinion. Wow. Being envious of the blessing of others, murder, uncontrolled addiction, wild parties, all other similar behaviors. And what Paul would say here is, is Jesus has a different path for each and every one of us. But I think if we're being honest, we would look at that and go, man, I, I, you know, there's probably somewhere in there that, that, that is trying to draw you into a place of compromise. And he goes on, haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for the things will not inherit the kingdom, kingdom realm of God? Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, those, if you, don't, if you don't practice what I've laid out for you, you miss the kingdom. You miss what it means to, 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 to love God and love people. You miss what it means to, to be free from the inside out. But the fruit that produces the Holy Spirit within your divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of the Spirit. Doesn't that, when you hear those words, doesn't something just kind of ignite inside of you and say, That's what God has for us. The fruit of the Spirit. 
That's what he has for us. That's what Jesus is laying out. And then finally, he says this. It says, keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everyone connected with his self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. Everybody, all of us, our self-life was put on the cross with Jesus. He died for us. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after Him. And that is what, how, how we live, right? That is how the, it, the Bible talks about the joy of the Lord is our strength. The power of forgiveness breaks the yoke of the enemy. The power of forgiveness breaks the yoke of the enemy. Laying it down. Saying yes to Jesus. Taking what it says in Matthew 6. Taking that moment and going in to that private place and shutting the door and talking with Jesus. Breaks the yoke. It begins to set us free. We are those that are transformed from the inside out. We are those that have been given the opportunity to step out of the grind of the dark life that we we engage with all the time. And those voices that are trying to draw us in and take on their voice and take on their campaign. But we are those that are called to live on the umbrella of the, the passion of the kingdom of God. You and I are citizens to a higher kingdom. We are citizens to a higher kingdom. And Jesus unpacks all of that for us through the Gospels. All the time. telling When he says, I am the vine and you are the branches and you're connected to me. I am the influencer of that kingdom is what he's saying. And I will give you life. I have a path. I have a purpose for you. Because you were created in my image. That's what he says. He also, going back. You are my workmanship, created for good works. Created for good works. Created to be lovers of broken people. To be a kind word to a broken broken world. To be generous to those that don't deserve it. We are called to be the opposite of everything out there that tells us that we deserve what we deserve. You get what you get. Well, baloney. Because Jesus says, I got something better for each and every one of those that are called by my name. Every one of us. And I know all of us have something this very moment that said, man, I I need Jesus' help. Come on, I'm with you. I need Jesus' help. I cannot live this life by myself. I can't do it. I cannot do it. I'm not very smart, but I learned early on, without your help, I'm in deep trouble. And Jesus said, Daryl, that's all right. I'm here with you every step of the way. Even, Even when I blow it, even when you blow it, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Ever. Ever. I wonder if some of us have felt forsaken. I wonder if you felt like you, you deserve to be forsaken because of some of your activities, some of your choices. I wonder if you felt like 
You don't deserve the love of God. That's a lie. That is just a lie. The love of God compels us to live the life that he has set, it, set us up for. Let's have the worship team come forward. We're going to just take a moment as we transition here. We're going to take our offering. I want to say to you this morning that how grateful, I'm going to say it from a person, how grateful I am to your commitment to us as a, a body. We're, we are a community-supported church, and I just want to say I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your commitment. I am grateful for uh, the way you serve. I am grateful for who you are. And I believe that God has so much more for each and every one of us. And I am looking forward to growing together in this place called the kingdom of God. And seeing what doors would God open up for us. Seeing how we can continue to fight for each other and pray for each other. And support one another. And the truth is, none of us are perfect. We all have, we all have areas that we have need in. And so, as we just think about going into this last song... Um, I felt like um, the Lord was speaking to me this morning and all through the week that um, some of us, some of you are just filled with, with resentment. So you're just filled with it. And a lot of it has to do with how you're brought up, uh, different circumstances in your life, and uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't even know how to get out of it. Uh, and maybe you've tried because it's, it's become a friend, really. It's become part of who you are, your personality. And I, I just want to ask you this morning, if, if that's you, would you be willing just to stand up right now? Would you, would you just be willing going, yeah, I, I don't want to walk out of here literally the same way I walked in. Would you just say, you know, I mean, sometimes the, there's... There's that step of faith, and this is what I'm asking for. Are you willing to take a step of faith to, for wholeness and completeness in Christ? And if that's you, just go ahead and stand up. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 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 Could I have um, a couple of you right behind? Just put your hands on Irene and Terry. Put your hands on them. Thank you. Glenn? Um, no. No, I can't get Okay. There we go. The work of the Holy Spirit is very powerful. And... This might not be the end, but it's definitely a beginning for sure, right? So just in a way of community life, we want to say to you, God is with you, Jesus is with you, and he's got a plan for your life, and he's got a path for your life. And we are for you, finding that path and living on that path. 
So let's just, let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. Come in your presence, your love, your grace, your mercy, your friendship. And let your healing power come upon my sisters in Jesus' name. Would you just continue, Lord? Lord, would you break the bondages of the lies that have spoke, been spoken over them um, from, uh, from all kinds of directions? Would, Lord, would you heal the emotions in the heart? Would you, as your word says, you've come to set captive people free. Now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, in the name of Jesus. Come. More, Lord. More of your presence. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And we bless you. Now, you might need some ongoing prayer. And I'm going to invite the, the ministry team to come forward. And while we're singing this song, just come up and get some prayer. If you're dealing with a physical element, we believe that, that God wants to heal the whole person physically, spiritually, mentally, socially. Um, all of us. The word, you know, uh, the soul in Hebrew language is the whole person. We believe God wants to redeem our whole person. So stand with me as, as we sing this last song.